everyone. Thank you for joining me today in my ninth episode of A Man Divided. My name is Adam Cochran, and this is my podcast all about my personal story of navigating faith, relationships, and same-sex attraction. Make sure you subscribe to my podcast and sign up to receive notifications for when I release new episodes, and I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook as well. If you're enjoying this podcast, please recommend it and share it with your friends and family. And that would just be so beneficial in helping me um, reach more people. Uh, and of course, not for my name, you know, to get out there and to get popular, but for them, just for the message of the gospel and the message of Jesus to reach more people, uh, specifically for people who experience SSA or uh, people who, who know someone that experiences SSA. I am so very excited, you guys, for today's episode where I am joined by my very first guest. Dun, 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 dun. A good friend of mine and a brother in the Lord has joined me to share his amazing testimony. And I hope that you guys will be very encouraged by it. And I'm sure that you will be uh, because I was encouraged by it myself. Um, so just to let you know, um, the, audio, the audio quality is not the absolute best because this was my first rodeo and we basically recorded a phone conversation. So I hope that it's not too distracting for you, um, but I am learning better and improved ways of recording the audio for future episodes. And I'm very hopeful also that I will have many more guests, uh, brothers and sisters joining me in the future. So without further ado, we'll just jump right in and take a listen to my friend's testimony. All right, so um, I am joined by a friend of mine. His name is Adonis Beamish. And Adonis and I connected um, just a few weeks ago, I guess. It was about maybe a month ago. Yeah. And um we connected through a mutual friend that we had. It was a friend of mine from college. And uh, when I began the podcast, um, this friend reached out to me and um, told me uh, about this guy that he knew uh, named Adonis. He said that um, Adonis had, you know, really great testimony. And he recommended that, um, you know, he suggested that we connect and um, kind of get to know each other. So I reached out to Adonis and, um, we kind of just, you know, introduced ourselves and we shared our testimonies with each other. And um, it was just a, um, a huge blessing, like to me to hear um, his testimony. I think he has a very, or I, I don't know if I should refer to you as like in the third person or if I should just say <laughs> you have, but you, <laughs> but you have a very uh, great testimony. So I was excited that, um, that you were able to, to join me on this episode and, um, and just to share a little bit about that. So without further ado, I guess if you uh, would like to kind of just tell us about your, um, your story and, and your testimony. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate the opportunity that you've given me to be on your podcast. And it's definitely been a pleasure getting to know you over these last few weeks as well, just getting to chat with you uh, just about life and things like that. So I appreciate, yeah, I'm thankful that we were able to get introduced. So that was pretty yeah. cool. Uh, but yeah, I can share a little bit um, about my myself and my testimony. So I'm I live in Kent, Washington. I was born in Hawaii. Um, uh, my dad was military, and uh, uh, I came to Washington with my mom and my sisters when I was five. And my dad, since he was military, got transferred up to this area. So been here pretty much ever since, and. For myself, um, I began to experience uh, same-sex attractions, um, recognizing that it was going to be a thing in my life around the age of, I, I want to say like 11 or 12 is when it kind of hit me that this was going to be something that I was going to be dealing with. Mm. And, um, you know, so there was definitely um, that point of uh, being mortified about this situation, especially with the church's lack of understanding or um, lack of communication about this subject. But mm. before I get into all of that, um, 
So I'll just say that I was raised in church, professed salvation at a young age, around the same time um, that we were moving up to Washington State. Uh, I professed salvation at the age of five and um, had, you know, essentially given my life to the Lord. And, you know, so from there, I was just kind of like, you know, okay, like I'm serving God, I guess, you know, however that looks. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) as a kid, you know, it's hard to really decide of like, okay, what does this really mean? You know, so sure. Yeah. So anyway, um, so as I was growing up, you know, was in church, uh, the motto kind of was, you know, being in church whenever the church doors were open, grew up in a a Baptist uh, church family home, Um, you know, good, solid teaching. They preach the Bible and things like that. So um, but unfortunately, within this issue of homosexuality and things like that, there was never it was more of a cut and dry type of a thing. you know, it's more of a, um, like, it's just wrong. And that's, that was that. So I kind of already knew that stance from a very early age. Okay. Um, and then, so growing up, uh, after moving to Washington state, uh, shortly after getting saved and things like that, a couple of years after that, my dad passed away and in a car accident, which, um, really took the whole family, obviously by surprise, he was 39 at that point. So, uh, well, very, you know, young family. Um, I was mm-hmm. the oldest and uh, two younger sisters. So that kind of put me into a different uh, situation of being con- like being called the man of the house by people in the church that I was going to, men of the church at that point. That kind of placed a lot of um, pressure on me at that time because I know I didn't know what it meant to be even, you know, a man, let alone be the man of the house. Mm-hmm. Um right. And having, you know, take care of my mom and sisters, like you have to take care of them. I didn't even know what that would look like. So a lot of pressure put on at that that point. And also within this time frame as well, um, I wasn't, I always had kind of a hard time connecting with other guys in general too. I never, wouldn't say that I had any like close friends or guy friends really as I was growing up. They were, you know, just the boys that would be at church or whatever my mom just assumed they were my friends just because you know the oh you go to church with them so like they'll come to your birthday party and stuff like that but i didn't really feel like we were actually you know friends okay Um, so for me um at that point i just began you know just having that that like i said that withdrawal almost because there was no connection i tried to draw closer but at the same time there was a sense of rejection because um, I would be getting made fun of kind of for some mannerisms that I had because after my dad passed away, you know, I'd spent a majority of my time at home with my mom and my sisters and uh-huh. that kind of developed these mannerisms that were more so feminine. And I got called gay and called faggot. And you know, this was at the, the church um, school that I went to. So it was very just, um, you know, it wasn't even in a public setting, a public school setting by any means. It was just at the, the church. So it was just like, oh, okay. Um, so I don't yeah. know, like, what, I didn't necessarily know what those words meant at that time, per se, you know? Um, huh. So I was just like, okay, well, this is obviously negative, and uh-huh. I don't want to be whatever they're saying. So at that time, like, there was this clear thing in my head of just, like, this is not who I'm going to be. Like, um, like this, that's not – I'm not going to be who they say I am, basically, is what my whole mindset was at that point. And that began to kind of ingrain itself into me of just, like, I'm not going to be who they say that I am. Right. And um, so from that point um, – you know, I kind of always still just like I said, clung, hung with girls because I understood girls. Like I grew up with just a household of girls. So it was easier to connect and it was easier to to read them and to, you know, basically um, to know what they wanted, basically, because it, it was just easier to connect and just like, OK, I know how to please them, essentially. But sure. to get yeah. to understand how to connect with a guy, I just, you know, it wasn't there. I thought it was interesting if I could bring up something real quick that you shared, um, which I don't remember if the first time that we talked, if you, I don't remember, um, you may have mentioned it and I might have just forgotten, but I didn't realize that it was like a Christian school that you went to as well. Yes. Um, So school at my, at the church we went to. 
Okay. Okay. So I think that, I think that brings up like a really good point. Um, Cause I know that, you know, we may have some listeners and I know like a private school or like a Christian school is like an option and there's nothing wrong with it, but their Christian right. school, you know, is an option that, that a lot of parents choose, you know, for their children to attend. And I think that's just a great like reminder that even if your child is going to a Christian school, like they can still, you know, face like bullying or being picked on or being right. called, yeah. you know, like names or things. If, if anybody's like different or stands out, Correct. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great reminder, um, you know, or something that we can, you know, remember um, if any parents are listening or, or anything like that, that have children like that are in, you know, a Christian kind of school that, you know, that's still something that kids have to face with, you know, sadly, like even if, mm-hmm. uh, if, in where we think is going to be a safe place that they still end up being, you know, kids can still experience that kind of thing. So it's, it's so true. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, you would, th- you would think, uh, like you said, that it would just be something that, you know, I think it's unbeknownst to a lot of parents just that, you know, just because again, like you said, you're in church or you're in a your church school, whatever, private school, that oh, it automatically means everyone's going to be like good Christians or whatever. But yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's definitely not the case. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was just yeah, not a very conducive environment, I guess you could say in general. <laughs> yeah, uh, for growth as far as like becoming healthy in general. Oh, sure. Yeah. I feel like I was like, you know, my upbringing was very similar to yours and that, I, you know, I was um, brought up like in the church and everything as well. You know, anytime the tour, the church doors were open and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so, um, yeah, I definitely resonate with that. And especially in how you mentioned, like how the church just kind of just vaguely or like just kind of just touch the surface or would mention Mm -hmm. like homosexuality or or same-sex attraction like sometimes but it wasn't Mm -hmm. anything that um you know it was preached like against but it wasn't anything that was really you know I guess like addressed as far as from a a helpful kind of stance it was more like a condemning stance exactly Mm -hmm. and but even I like I was homeschooled so even I you know I I I was I, I never experienced, you know, what that was like um, mm-hmm. with with people uh, like calling me names or something because, you know, I wasn't in any, I was just around my siblings, you know, for school right. and everything like that. So I, um, but I probably, uh, I probably would have been like labeled, you know, if I had gone to school and everything. And I can even remember when I got a little older in high school going to to some camps and things like that, or if I was in public places, like, um, I still remember like being very self-conscious about it and being like, I wonder if anybody kind of like knows, or I I wonder if I'm suspicious or there was like this fear, you know, that Mm -hmm. like people people would know. Being found Um, out because something was like on you or. Yeah, exactly. Or like you mentioned. Yes, exactly. Or like you mentioned, like your mannerisms or something like that. Um, you're, you're afraid that that might be like a, a giveaway, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, lots of insecurities and stuff there. No, I agree completely. That is for sure. (laughs) Um, yeah. So just as time went on, uh, like I said, I recognized around the age of 11 or 12 that this was going to be something that was going to be an issue. Um, I remember, you know, like I said, just like remembering that moment, just being probably in my room and um, just like I, there was just like, I just knew like, this is something I'm going to struggle with, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And this is, again, like I said, not something that I asked for or wanted by any means. And then at the same time, there was that feeling of just like, how did they know, you know, how did these people know, um, about me before I even knew and and then that, that they had spoken this you know to me and like that was just always was was something that I was like I just don't understand so at that point it was just that I really wanted to hide it and try and you know do whatever I could basically to you know 
not be that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, at that time I was already engaging in looking at pornography and things like that. And I'd already kind of obviously figured out what the meanings and things like that meant gay and faggot and all that. And so, and like, and the, so at this time was when I was really starting to get entrenched into pornography as well. And, um, that kind of began to just really just really take over my mindset and I was Mm -hmm. just really like that was my fixation if you will and Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to stop either and I knew I couldn't tell anyone at the same time because like I said the church I knew their stance it was you know it's wrong and basically you're going to hell is what I you know and I was just like well (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with that and I was just like well if the church, you know, if God doesn't, if God hates me, you know, and the church can't help me, basically, then, you know, it's basically on me. And I have to just try harder, essentially, Mm. and try and be the perfect Christian, if you will, Mm -hmm. and try to have it all together. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, you know, there was a lot of things within my own family uh, system that was, you know, kind of breaking down as well. My mom went through depression, you know, for a while after my dad had passed away. My, uh, you know, the oldest sister um, was going through stuff of her own. And, you know, we all obviously were going through different things, you know, Mm -hmm. and I felt like I had to be the the good example child, if you will, to, you know, kind of hide all of their stuff that was happening with them. I felt responsible in that way. And um, so anyway, That's an, an enormous amount of pressure. Yeah. And I put that on myself, like, uh, and I felt that it was also kind of placed on me. Um, like I said, just from what the minute, some men of the church had said to me at that time. And that kind of always was going over my head. And, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, just be there to help my mom too, and just help her out around the house and do these things to be, um, like I said, essentially perfect and just like make even, you know, like I enjoyed going to church, you know, and I wanted to serve God and I wanted to be, a, you know, I did want to truly be a good Christian, but at the same time, like my viewpoint of God was that he hated me. So mm-hmm. I was just really all about just, you know, trying to be you know, acceptable ultimately. Mm. And, um, so I, you know, did that for quite a while was trying to play, you know, the role essentially that I felt like I had been dealt. And, um, ultimately it led to me in the long scheme of things becoming just rebellious because there was a time where I just realized that as far as trying to be perfect, I was never going to be good enough, essentially, um, and, and for my own family system. Um, uh, there was stuff that I just could never do right for my mom. And at that time, it was just like, well, okay, I can't please her. And then even within the church, there was people within the church who had said stuff to me and or stuff had been said. And that, you know, basically, it was just, you know, I just felt coming from all sides was just that, oh, it's just never, you're just never going to be good enough, you know? And uh-huh. at that time, it was just like, it all kind of mounted up to just be this, all right, well, if I can't do that, then I might as well just, you know, say, uh, screw it, essentially, and just do do what I want <laughs> and just right. become, you know, uh, become whatever, you know, not necessarily with the intention of like, okay, I'm going to pursue this lifestyle by any means, mm-hmm. but I just was just like, I was kind of done. Um, mm-hmm. And so I began to try and like, you know, be quote unquote cool, if you will, by hanging out with some of the rebellious people, uh, the rebellious guys from the church and things like that, that I knew weren't, you know, you know, they were doing whatever they wanted essentially. And uh, so I hung out with them and just kind of, you know, did whatever. And at that time, my mom really didn't catch on to it because I had been such a, you know, quote unquote, perfect child, like I was trying so, you know, to please everybody people pleasing, essentially, that she didn't really catch, catch on initially until probably my senior year of high school. And um, then, you know, some things had happened, and I almost was um, expelled uh, from the school and um, for a ridiculous reason of, of a CD, essentially. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 
yeah and but then at the same time i was also caught cheating as well too so uh-huh. uh, there was that so anyway um so there was just a lot of stuff happening at that time frame and uh so shortly after i graduated from high school i decided to um you know that i didn't want to live at home and like i said you know just didn't really care anymore to try and be you know perfect by any means so i just mm-hmm. was like okay well i want to get out of the house so um i ended up throwing some parties at my mom's house while they were gone on vacation and during this time i also um met a friend of a friend who was looking for a roommate uh, to move out into town um and i was like well i want to move out so i ended up getting an apartment in oak harbor with a military guy and um and like i said no intention of really pursuing the lifestyle but just i wanted freedom to just be able to do mm-hmm. whatever i wanted i had okay. a job and i was just like okay i can pay my own bills and stuff like that and as long mm-hmm. as you know like again i kind of took on the mentality of like well i'm going to prove these people wrong that just because i'm you know living out in the world or whatever that doesn't mean i'm a bad person or whatever i can still be successful essentially it was my okay. my mindset as well yeah and um so had you so up to this point had you told anybody about your same-sex attraction i had not no um, okay i there was no one really that i trusted with that information at, at any sure. point throughout these those yeah throughout the early years throughout teenage years um i had um prior to like graduating from high school and things I had had, you know, someone who had become like a really like good friend, best friend, I even would have said, but it wasn't a healthy relationship at that time. And, um, I definitely was just, you know, really trying to people please even in that relationship, I would say to keep that friendship because I'd never had like a, a guy friendship before. So that was like the first one. So it was just like, okay, I just want to make, you know, basically just like be there for him and Uh not say anything about myself. And, you know, I would, all my stuff was. You didn't want to do anything to like jeopardize that, that friendship. So you weren't going to like, yeah, you weren't going to share that with him because you you were afraid that it might, you know, push him away or or something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I didn't want to approach that, but in the long scheme of things, like shortly after graduating from high school and things, you know, that friendship even, fell apart in itself and um which you know was bound to happen honestly because it was like i said an unhealthy relationship and mm-hmm. um and that kind of also did something to me as well of just like you know that sense of rejection because of the way things happened you know so i felt very just you know less than and um it really just you know significant or it really um kind of helped spiral me into just this really wanting to be this essentially when I moved out I wanted to just be a partier you know okay drinker you know that's basically what it was getting drunk pretty much any time that I could and just wanting to have a good time ultimately that was just I wanted to be known as the life of the party essentially at that time yeah and um you know like I said was living out on my own now after moving out and you know stopped going to church shortly after that so I kind of was still technically had like a membership there at the church, but, um, you know, they, so they showed up to my apartment one day with, basically it was to put me on church discipline. They had found some pictures, um, that had been posted from a party from uh, at least a year prior. And they were trying to basically just, you know, you know, we want, they want, they wanted to bring me back to the fold essentially it was what their intention was mm-hmm. but how they went about it i would say was it was not in a, um, a way that i think was helpful personally at that time and even still now i i question it but um mm. i kind of was just like okay well whatever you know um because they wanted me to basically go there and defend myself at some point um after bringing these pictures they wanted me to just look at them and basically they were like hopefully this can convict you about your wrongdoing and then you know they showed up um about a week or so later with another person uh because you know how the bible talks about you know you go as one person you talk to them about it and if they don't sure 
yeah and then they bring yeah. two people and then from there then it's brought to the church essentially so that's kind okay. of the, the the outline if you will of what how they did it for me and so kind of more like just when we say discipline like it was more of like a scolding kind of aspect would you say then yeah go ahead sorry yeah oh no um then i i'm just picturing like maybe it was more of a scolding than it was like a we're concerned about you like are you okay like you know we're concerned for your spiritual well-being right and i mean i can understand how they like you know we're concerned in a way uh, there's just it just didn't come off that way especially when they brought the second person um, okay yeah around it was more so yeah it was just it was not it was not going to work out at that time and basically at the end of the second after the second meeting they were just like you know um they're basically going to have a men's meeting that Sunday. And they were basically like, you know, show up to defend yourself if you want to, but we're going to be putting you on church discipline. If you, you know, you basically don't show up and you don't essentially repent. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it was more so an ultimatum as well. And um, anyway, long story short on that is, is that, you know, I was put on church discipline and um, you know, they sent me a letter and things like that. And, um it was just all it was a whole thing and there so i felt like okay well whatever you know like more rejection and then so much so that i mean they there was even leadership there that had told them not my, they told my mom not to talk to me even you know um but my mom thankfully she didn't go through with that she continued to have a relationship with me if she had yeah. um done th- what they had asked her i definitely think there would have been yeah, I don't think our relationship would have been a much harder process to work through at this oh, point. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but she did not do that. So, But there was also people at the church who were basically told, like, you know, don't associate with him. And basically that was going to get me to come back to church, you know. So if mm-hmm. I saw people from the church just in, you know, at the store, because our town wasn't huge by any means. So you could run into people from the church. And um Anyway, so, you know, they would turn the other way or not acknowledge you. Or even if you said hi, they would just kind of, like, look at you and kind of, like, maybe a head nod and they'd keep going, you know? It was mm-hmm. very just, like, standoffish, essentially. And I was like, this is how they expect to get people to come back to church. Who Anyway. Wow. I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we could do, like, a whole episode about that, yeah, too. I feel like I'm digressing from my whole, like, thing <laughs> no. Right no, 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 it's it's all good completely else (laughs) anyway so that's yeah so there's all that anyway um yeah so basically at this time i'm just living for myself like i said you know so that whole incident happened you know i was just like all right well just you know can i keep moving forward you know keep doing my thing and um probably about a year after i moved out i had my first encounter with with another guy basically had a, a hookup uh after a party and uh, that kind of was the the pivotal moment you, you could say of where at that point i'd only been looking at pornography and um you know masturbation was a thing as well but i'd never actually done anything with a guy up until that point so when that happened i i kind of attribute it to that moment that um adam and eve kind of thing took took of the partook of the fruit in the garden you know and their eyes mm. kind of were opened to like oh like this is a possibility essentially or oh like you know you see things in a different viewpoint now of like all the possibilities i guess you could say mm. and so now i was just like well and like i said so there i had that mindset well god hated me before and now he must hate me even more so and so there was that shame and condemnation now of okay well now i've done it now i've you know officially participated in it and that kind mm-hmm. of sent me into more of just like okay well i guess this is what it is now and from that point i began to you know start being more so promiscuous as far as hooking up through craigslist at that time and um you know drinking a lot still and then i kind of started to get into smoking weed and um from weed i kind of was starting to take you know prescription drugs sometimes i get vicodin i'd get vicodin and um i would abuse that with alcohol and things like that so is anything really just like i wanted to numb myself off from feeling anything in general so i'd always kind of just like to be drunk or high or just something to take the edge off more so Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, so shortly after that, um, you know, uh, ended up 
in 20, uh, what was it? 2009, I got my own, um, my own apartment and was living on my own. I'd gotten a job at a credit union, uh, there in town. And I just kind of was starting to, you know, basically try and like, like I said, be presentable, try and give that appearance of like, Hey, look at me. I still have my life together just because I'm not a Christian. Basically, you know, I mm-hmm. can still be, you know, I can still be a good person or I can still be successful anyway. So it was doing that, you know, um, was very, you know, set on like, okay, you know, this is what I want. Like I wanted to have my place to be a certain way and things like that. And all of these moments are all of the stuff. So I finally got the place. I got it furnished how I wanted it to be. And I remember there was a moment when I was sitting there uh, in the living room of my furnished place and looking how I wanted it to look and like knowing like, okay, I have food. I have, I have all of these things, you know, that I wanted and that I thought would, you know, essentially make me happy. And Mm -hmm. this was in 2009. And I had this moment of just like, is this it essentially? Is this, you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. feel content. You know, I was just always, at that point I was just like, well, I have to have more. And um as i continued to just like you know i was still partying like they just gave me an excuse to throw another party essentially because i was just like well i didn't wasn't ready to come back to god by any means and i wasn't ready to do church because i had a lot of woundings from the church at that point and mm-hmm. um it was just basically i was very hardened off to anything that the church would have to say so in 2000 and uh 12 i moved to the seattle area with a couple of roommates and um a couple of friends from oak harbor you know just began to really just even party even more so when i moved down this way and began to kind of open up my options as far as like hooking up as far as going to clubs over here in this area um just kind of you know just living it up and um things kind of culminated and uh, uh, october of 2013 is when i ended up having an overdose and ended up in the hospital um i had went to a rave in seattle for halloween and um don't really remember a whole lot of that night but just you know remember i do remember some moments of being coherent where i was walking down the street and stuff like that i was only in my underwear at one point and somehow made it back to the hotel where uh, we were staying but um you know ended up passing out basically by the elevators yeah then that's when i woke up in the hospital and um wow. yeah so it was definitely a very um it was a very eye-opening moment in that in that moment just of this like okay wow you're not okay you know i was definitely yeah. i would say at this time very depressed and you know just get growing more and more angry at god at myself i just thought how life had gone and still just mad at god even too just because like i had to still like i was going through what I was going through um, as far as like same sex attraction. And cause at this time, like I still hadn't come out either. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. openly gay by any means. I was just like, I was doing these things, you know, openly when I would go out to the clubs for sure, but I wasn't doing it with like the friends that I had, like my friend, the friends that I had over here, they didn't necessarily like, I mean, I'm sure they had probably inclination cause there are some of them who, kind of were like okay like there's something definitely going on but not anything that was ever talked about and it was more so me just like you know again hiding it and doing it in secret yeah um so uh, at this time i was also i had just turned 25 in august of that year and um i kind of call it my quarter life crisis and this is the time that i said that okay well I want to travel and I wanted to basically go uh, backpacking for a while just to go see the world essentially. And um, I had already made plans to do this. I had already put in my time off from work when this incident happened of uh, the overdose. And I was like, I still wanted to go on this thing. And basically I knew that I needed to give my life back to God at this point, but I didn't want to. There was still that part of me that still wanted to Mm. live life for me. And because yeah. um, I was supposed to leave in December of that year of 2013. So a couple okay. months I would be headed out. And uh-huh. uh, prior to going to that trip, a few days before I was going to go, I remember I was at my mom's house and 
trying to sleep one night and even like debated about going in to talk to her and just tell her like, like, I know I need to come back to God, but I really want to still do this trip and stuff like that. But it was more of a conversation that ended up just happening between me and God. And at that time, I basically made a deal with God. I was like, okay, God, if you just let me survive this trip, like if I can make it through alive and everything. And when I get back, I will give my life back to you. And, you know, that was the deal. And I basically, you know, I said that. And from that point, so I went on the trip in December, at the end of December, and I was gone until uh, like late March. And when I got back uh, from the trip and everything, I, uh, friends wanted to obviously see me and things like that. So that whole give my life back to God kind of fell on the back burner. And that trip, you know, was me living for myself completely, you know, hooking up and partying and all the things that I knew that I shouldn't be doing anymore and really didn't want to be doing, but I still continued in them. Uh And so when I came back to the, the, back to the Seattle area again, I, you know, like I said, connected with the friends again, because they wanted to see me. It had been a while since I'd last seen them. And, um, you know, I just began to kind of do my same thing again. And, I still remember the day. It was May 17th of uh, 2014. I was going to a Sounders game with some friends in downtown Seattle. And I remember we were walking down the street and things like that. I had been drinking that day. And um, basically, it was just like it happened in such a it was very surreal of just that there was so much noise going on around. But all of a sudden, it was just like all the noise kind of went silent. And it was just like audible voice of just that say like of god i believe you know just saying to me that there's never going to be a good time to quit all of this there's never going to be a good time to basically come back to me you know and kind of even going into the whole thing of just um you know you made me a deal that you would come back to me you know after your trip if if you survived it and you know i was with you you survived and you know, so now basically you have a choice, you know, it wasn't like a condemning, like, oh, you know, like you're a wretched person by any means. It was just like, okay, you have a choice and you can either, you know, choose to follow me, you know, or you can choose to continue on how you are, but I just can't go with you anymore. Essentially is basically Mm. what it was. And uh, in that moment, it was kind of like that light bulb clicked on in my mind. And it was just like, you know, I don't want to be doing this. I haven't been wanting to do this for a long time now. And, you know, basically at that time I was just like, okay, God, like I'll, you know, I, I knew in that moment that I wasn't going to drink anymore. You know, I was just like, okay, God, I'm giving essentially like, I felt like I was giving my life in that moment, you know, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, it was, a, like I said, it was a Saturday night and I was just like, okay, I know a church uh, in the area that I was living or that I'm living in that um, I can go to. And from there I kind of just, Yeah, I was just like, okay, God, I'm not going to drink anymore. And that was that. And the next day I went to church. I was a little hungover, but I still went. And I was just, you know, all right, God, like, here I am, essentially. Yeah. And Uh um, then that next day, the Monday, I remember very, you know, I dumped out all my alcohol, any like drug stuff, like weed and stuff that I had any pills that I had just, you know, flushed it all, got rid of it, even unopened bottles of alcohol. And that's how I, I knew that this was something that was different because I'd never gotten rid of alcohol before. I'd always like kept some or, you know, if I would not drink for a while, you know, but there was always alcohol still left in the house, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so I dumped it all and I was just like, okay, like, you now I don't know what this is all going to look like, you know? And at that time I thought that, okay, since he took away the drug and alcohol addiction, like, okay, he's going to take away the same sex attraction piece as well, too. You know, I didn't struggle in that way for at least a, a month. But then after about the mo- that first month, you know, I'd say it was like a honeymoon period, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because I didn't really have any, like, struggles. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there I was looking at porn again. And I was hooking up still. And... I was just like, God, like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I gave my life back to you and I don't know, I don't know, like, I'm just going to end up back to where I was if, like, you don't do something. Like, I thought that, you know, you're going to to help me. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Uh So I just felt kind of trapped again. And um, a few months later, um, I was listening to the Christian radio station 
Um, and they mentioned something about like took some uh, Christian counselors of the Seattle area. And I uh, ended up reaching out to that and ended up finding a counselor that was located there uh, here locally in Kent. And I connected with him. And um, basically, he was the very first person that I shared uh, my story with everything that I didn't wow. and I never shared anything. And I was like, so scared to even go into that that therapist office because I didn't, you know, if he's going to judge me, I know he's a Christian. Like, is he going to hate me? Like, is he going to throw me out? What's going to happen? Um, so, you know, I told him my story and everything and he was very kind, but he also was just like, you know, this isn't my specialty, but, um, I'm willing to work with you. But he also said he knows someone that actually specifically deals with it and is with a church and he doesn't actually uh he's a layman so he doesn't actually charge for his for his counseling sessions either and i was like oh um you know but it was also at the same time it was about 45 minutes to an hour away from where i was at so the commitment would be a drive essentially right. every uh-huh. to go and see this person and i was just like okay well Basically, you know, at that point I was like, well, I'll pray about it kind of a thing, you know, just, to, you know, yeah, cliche Christian thing, I guess you uh. say. But at the same time, I knew that I needed to talk to this person. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. So ended up reaching out to him and ended up um, getting a response back and met up with him. And basically, like before I even told him my story, he kind of walked me through what it looks like for homosexuality, how it develops in somebody's life. And basically, he told my story before I even told him my story. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know, in a way, because it was just like, you know, just all of this information that he had. And, you know, he had gone through his own struggle with it himself. And he had, you know, found a lot of healing. And it was just kind of mind blowing. And for me in that moment, too, of, you know, hearing him out before, like I said, I even shared my story, you know, I knew it had to have been, so basically it was, he said it was developmental, you know, and Mm -hmm. I completely like agreed with that because I knew that it couldn't have just been like, oh, you know, this is just how I was, I was born this way, you know, so Mm -hmm. that began the process after, and then after he, you know, kind of went through that whole chart thing with me and everything and you know totally all made sense to me you know that's when i shared my story and that kind of began the process of me working through all of this stuff which you know was definitely knockout drag out um depression um even you know after coming back to god there was still like thoughts of suicide at times just because i was just so overwhelmed with all the stuff that i you know was still having to work through uh, childhood stuff, you know, traumas that I had experienced that I'd never really dealt with and mm. being able to really basically process them with the Lord and, um, you know, going through a lot of different, even small groups, um, there at, at that church, you know, such as Conquer Series, which helped with pornography, making peace with your past is another one that basically kind of helps you to process stuff from your childhood. And, um, you know, in a small group setting and just even boundaries, there was a class on boundaries to help, you know, because I didn't have any and really just, you know, making my way through a lot of this stuff. And uh, so that was uh, it was October 17th of 2014 when I first initially started there. And uh, basically, yeah, I was so I went there for. Still kind of, I still stay connected with him, um, and okay. uh, he's a very solid, a very solid guy um, yeah. that had helped me significantly throughout that journey. There were, yeah, so it was definitely just a process of really just kind of being able to lay a lot of my stuff down at the foot mm. of the cross, ultimately, you know, yeah. being able yeah. to work through uh, just giving things to God, ultimately. I mean, as cliche as yeah. that sounds, but ultimately like that's what it comes down to is really us being able to process with god our things our hurts and things and being able to just say okay god this wasn't okay but at the same time like i need i can't carry this anymore i'm not meant Mm. to carry it and just saying god you take this because god's not just going to take stuff away from us he's actually going to make make us deal with it and that's kind of what i recognized too later on as healing was uh became more significant in my life and basically that 
you know, he took away the drugs and the alcohol because he didn't want me to be medicating myself anymore. He, he needed me to be clear headed as far mm. as not, you know, not clouding my mind with things that are going to basically numb me off essentially from feelings and emotions. Yeah. And that, so that was so helpful because you know, I was just like, God, why would, you know, like I said, initially I was like, oh, God, why would you only take this stuff away and now leave me with all of this other stuff, you know, the woundings and all of that, you know, yeah. because it was necessary in order to get healing, you know? And I think as yeah. Christians, we don't, always necessarily recognize we think this as christians it's supposed to be easy to oh yeah like i'm, I'm a christian now and god's you know basically like i gave my life to christ or i'm just, i'm going to heaven you know and that's kind of just where it ends and it's like no that's not where it ends it's actually so mm. much more and so much more deeper that you can actually find freedom in christ you know you can find out who you really are and you know actually become healthy and become the man, the man or the woman that God has called you and created you to be. And, yeah. um, so yeah, so it was a, a super, wow. super powerful, a super powerful experience going through all of that. And yeah, that's great. You bring, you bring up so many good points. Gosh, that's excellent. Like, because I remember feeling that same thing, like, um, and, and I remember being so confused with the whole concept cause I would hear people preach and teach, um, about the whole concept of like turning something over to God, you know, and like giving your, your struggles or your, your things that you face and like just mm -hmm. giving it to him. And I think the, it got lost in translation because I don't think all of those people were necessarily preaching this, but like what I heard was if I just surrender this to God, then he'll take it away, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, um, for me personally, that's like where I've struggled for years because I was like, I'm trying to give this SSA to God. Like I'm mm -hmm. trying to, you know, I'm praying, I'm saying, God, I, I just give it to you. And I kept expecting him to take it away. Right. And I, I love what you said. Like God's not going to take everything that we struggle with away because if he takes it from us, then how are we supposed to, you know, like surrender things to him. Like if Correct. it's out of our hands already, if he takes it out of our hands, then we have nothing to take to him. Like mm -hmm. we have no reason to depend on him if he right. does everything for us, you know, basically. Correct. Um, yeah. And I love that. Like I remember um, actually my, one of my grandfathers had a testimony of how he um, was an alcoholic and struggled with alcoholism and when he came to, to Christ, like, um, God just took that away from him. And I remember asking after, you know, I'd grown up kind of hearing that testimony. Um, and I remember hearing that and just kind of almost becoming bitter at God and saying, why won't you do the same like miraculous thing for me with my SSA? Because, you know, I want so badly for this to be taken away. And I felt like it was getting in the way of me serving God, you know, that I wasn't able to be, the Christian that I needed to be, that I wasn't able to walk um, as close to God as I could if this was still in yeah. my life, you know, mm -hmm. and I felt like it was holding me back. And, you know, God, you know, God's not going to take the cross from us. We have to, mm -hmm. to endure the cross, you know, we have to bear right. our cross. Um, and yeah, I, I love that, how God took, you know, the alcohol and the drugs, like, so, um, completely like from you um but you know essentially like he t told you and he told he told me and he tells lots of us you know with different struggles that we have and the kind of the same words that he said to paul you know like that his grace is uh sufficient for us you know that we yeah. we have we there's there's always something that we have to i think have in our lives to where we're reminded that we have to depend on god you know yeah no i agree completely yeah 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 those are great that's great i love it yeah yeah that it's all yeah and that's the thing it's just it's all a process it's just us again submitting and things like that you know um it was funny my counselor would always say to me like you know that i sh um that i should share with other people basically that you know share like eventually like start sharing stuff with other people about my story and things you know inviting people mm -hmm. into this you know to be able to you know, help them understand where I'm at, you know? And, um, yeah. you know, I was always very like, um, 
adamant that I was not going to ever share any of these things. I was only going to talk to him about these things and that was going to be that. And <laughs> as you can see, obviously, you know, <laughs> it's been uh, seven years since the start of that process at this time. And, um, yeah, God has definitely, like I said, done a hu huge healing. And now my counselor likes to bring it up all the time that, uh, you know, remember when you used to say that you were never going to say anything to anyone? And, <laughs> you know, now basically I have a ministry of where I'm, you know, publicly sharing in general. have a, went gone to events such as something called a Freedom March where I've been, um, been able to share with other um, people who have left the lifestyle, um, mm -hmm. you know just I've been invited to other churches and just ministries that are around in the U.S. that have invited me to things to share. And it's been like so amazing to see how God can take the thing that you look at as the worst possible thing, which, you know, I did. And I'm sure you can relate to that. And yet now oh, absolutely, he is using it for good and how he has actually used it, you know, before it was like a sword that was turned against me. But now... I've learned how to use the sword that essentially God, you know, has placed in my life ultimately because, you know, I still struggle with SSA to a degree, but it's not anywhere what it used to be. But now I can actually use, you know, the tools that I've learned, you know, and how God has basically, you know, spoken my identity over me of who I actually am, you know, of who... Mm who I am in Christ, you know, and I can use that now as the weapon to fight against the enemy, but also to bring hope to those who are in the midst of the struggle, who do, who also maybe think that they're the only ones who are struggling, because especially in our culture around us now, seeing that, you know, it's so acceptable and, you know, no mm. one's, there's no one really countering that. And if someone is struggling, you know, and not wanting to go down those roads, they don't have always the resources um, to be able to, you know, get connected to truth, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. As, as you and I both know, having grown up in a church where there was no resources, you know, for a kid, a kid struggling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, and I'm, I'm trying to like branch out and find, because I, I think there are, um, some like organizations and there are some um some ministries that are you know god is raising people up and he's he's beginning ministries and he's using ministries to reach more and more i think to like families especially and i think that's important um you know that we have resources for you know young for young people for you know teens for and the, even younger than teens because you know as we see and you know as we've both shared in our stories like this is something that you know kind of like is rooted or, or begins like in you know kind of like the like prepubescent or like into the adolescent years you know and and how helpful it would be for people um to you know maybe not have to endure those struggles like for years throughout the the adolescent years because adolescent you know the adolescent years are hard enough you know without having to deal with you know all this you know like secret like ssa and feeling like you can't come forward and, and get Correct. the help that you need and I the agree. biblical you know help and just how helpful that would be for for our young people if they mm -hmm. had healthy uh because the you know like we said like our culture is trying so hard to pull them over to their side you know mm -hmm. and it's it's just more and more we see it in children's like programming and we see it in all these things. Mm -hmm. And like, is the church being so adamant to reach them on this subject, you know, or, or is the church kind of just still kind of saying, we don't really know how to address that with our kids. So we're not really going to talk about it, you know, kind mm -hmm. of things so, though, um, you know, so yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I love that. I love about the, about the sword and how you said, you know, that you, it's basically just been turned around, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I think that's um, just such a beautiful picture how God can use, you know, the things that we struggle with. And like you said, what we think is the worst part of ourselves, and he can turn it around and he can use it to where, 
not necessarily that it's like the best part of ourselves, but that God can use it like more than he can use, you know, other things like about us or or things in our lives, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I would, that's, um, something I would say to anybody that's listening, you know, like if you, if you, if you feel that way, if you feel like this is just something so terrible that, you know, that God has, you know, somehow he's terrible for allowing you to go through this. If you have like an anger or like a bitterness, like towards God, or like just to be encouraged that, you know, the, the both of us are, are um, examples and our testimonies that are testaments that God, you know, um, and he, he works things differently at different times. Like there's, there's not a set formula, you know, for how quickly or how soon, like, obviously, like we, we always want things like right now, you know, like Mm -hmm. in 20 in America and in 2021, like we just want things to be done. We want all the healing and we want all of the, yeah, you know, all of that go through the struggle though, or the, the hard work of it all either. Exactly. Yeah. exactly so you know but just to just to trust um in god that um and i think it's just so important that you just persevere like um even though like you said you still experience ssa to some degree and the same for myself and like but we're still pursuing jesus like in spite of that you know and i think that yeah. that's what that's the main thing you know is mm-hmm. that um our eyes are still on him. We're still, you know, uh, we're still running the race. We're still pressing, uh, you know, toward the, the mark and, and trying, you know, just more and more to, to be conformed, you know, in more into the image of Jesus, you know, and, um, and I think God rewards that. And I think for anybody who's listening, like if you, um, you know, just stay in his word and, um, Um, and I I like as well, like you, you took like practical steps, you know, like you sought out a counselor, like, and you, you know, you traveled like 45 minutes or like an hour to see this person. Mm -hmm. You didn't just wait around for God to just, you know, drop it in your lap basically, or, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. And, um, so I think, I think there's a certain level of that ourselves, like that we have to, you know, we have to like have that initiative and we have Mm -hmm. to, you know, also like seek, seek the Lord's will and and seek, seek like what he wants us to do as well through prayer and and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and I always looked at it too. It's just like, you know, and even now, you know, for other, because God has given me the opportunity now to be able to speak into other men's lives in general. You know, I um, lead in men's ministry now at my church and, able to kind of direct men and helping them heal and recover from pornography. And what I would say, cause I said this to myself is like, how badly do you want healing? You know, how mm. much are you willing to sacrifice to get it? You know, mm. I, like I said, you know, driving to Kirkland, which is again, like 45 minutes to an hour. And I would be going there at high traffic times, like, you know, four or five o'clock in the evening and everyone's going North <laughs> and, um. And so I'm like in traffic, you know, you know, waiting to go over to this place, you know, and, you know, t- bear my soul essentially, or even sometimes, you know, not, you know, I wouldn't always yeah. be as open just because, you know, there was just, you know, it's life, but like at the same time. So that's why I say like, what are you willing to sacrifice? How, like, how much do you want healing or how much do you want freedom and how much are you going to sacrifice in order to get it? You know, because like yeah. you said, you know, you know, God isn't going to just like, uh, you know, he, he'll do, he'll heal you in certain areas for sure. I believe that he'll do that because like, he done it and he did it in my life with alcohol and drugs instantly, uh-huh. like I said, but there's other things that, you know, he wants to go on a journey with us. He wants to grow us and he also wants to develop a relationship with us and have that solid foundation where if he just took everything away, why would we need him then? You know, why would we look to God to help us? Because who are just like, oh, okay, God just takes things away and he doesn't, you know, that's it, you know? That's true. And, yeah. Like now I can just relax and. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, I can do whatever I want essentially almost, you know, because God just takes things away. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. I just want to say again, like, thank you so much for taking time and I appreciate you like being, uh, joining me like on the podcast and for, um, just sharing, 
um, I, I just think it's such a great testimony and it's so encouraging to me, um, you know, personally, and I'm, I'm sure it will be to, you know, everyone that, that listens as well. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Um, I guess, um, before we, um, kind of sign off, I guess I could ask, um, if I kind of asked, um, kind of a, a parting question, but just if you had like any kind of words to say to maybe someone who, uh, like you, uh, mentioned about yourself, maybe someone who's, um, secretly dealing with SSA or has mm-hmm. not, you know, really, um, like we've been talking about, like turned that over to the Lord or has not really shared that with anybody if they feel like overwhelmed by like fear mm-hmm. or shame or, um, or, 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 you know, like kind of a bitterness towards God, like that he mm-hmm. just has done all of this to you. Like, what would you say? What would be some some words of encouragement or some advice that you would give to someone that might be in that kind of situation? Well, um, I would say definitely you're not alone first and foremost, and don't lose, don't lose hope that there is, that you're, that you're too far gone or something for God to be able to heal you. Um, there were many a night that I myself was thinking that I was too far gone and um, had made too many mistakes even, you know, along the road, you know, or just because I was dealing in the struggle or I had gone, you know, looked at porn or if I had, you know, hooked up already, you know, and the enemy was there trying to condemn me and tell me that I wasn't good enough. And I had to clean myself up first to come back to God. I would just say, don't believe those lies. Press into, press into the Lord. He he is really the one meeting you exactly where you're at. There is no other reason in my own walk that I should have come back to the Lord. I had a lot of, like I said, church church traumas that I had to deal with and work through. But it wasn't the church that met me where I was at. It was God who met me where I was at. So mm. ultimately, he is he is reaching out to you. He loves you mm. exactly where you're at. He is the good, good father that the Bible talks about that is all-knowing and all-loving and wants to have a relationship with you. And don't lose, like I said, don't lose hope. Don't lose that that drawing, that sense of him drawing you because he wants to do a work in your life. So I just really encourage if there is someone struggling that, you know, recognize like you're not alone, but also that... Jesus says it will never leave you or forsake you. And I know that's, you know, something we always hear, but I know in my own life, I've seen it come to pass and I've seen how he is there and how I've seen him in every moment of my life at this point now where I was struggling and just keep pressing in. And I would encourage you if, you know, there are resources out there, you know, there are many mm. things like I've, if, you know, if you want to reach out to me, I'm on Facebook, you know, like if you want to, you know, resources, I can connect you. Like I have a lot of resources, there are resources that are out there to help you in the struggle. There are other people who are walking away from this. You are not the only one in this situation. Don't let the enemy mm. tell you that either. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. And I'm, I love what you said about Jesus. That just made me think of um, for for a lot of years, like my favorite, what I claimed as like my favorite Bible verse was, um, you know, um, in, in Matthew 28, when Jesus is like the second half of the verse where Jesus is finishing giving the Great Commission. And he just says that he's with us always, mm-hmm. you know, even to the end of the age yeah. and through all the years of, of fighting my SSA and Mm-hmm. and struggling with that and you know because uh you know I accepted Jesus at an early age as well and I still dealt with all of this so I always knew that I was like a child of God and that I was you know I belonged to him but at the same time like there were so many times where I got where I battled you know like depression or I felt so isolated and alone or defeated mm-hmm. and you know like even now like on days where um if you know that I mess up or or I just, you know, really have a hard time and um, I feel like that shame or that guilt kind of try to t- creep in and 
and that like through all of it is just so comforting to to even like reflect and see in my life how those words of scripture of Jesus saying like I'm with you like are true you know and he he really is like there for us the entire time and he never leaves us um, and he never forsakes us and um, so yeah I, I hope that that's um, encouraging to any of you who are listening and uh, I hope that uh, you're encouraged by this episode I know I am def- definitely for sure and um, I just want to say thank you again uh, for joining us and for all of you that are listening um, I hope that you can take this to heart and I, I hope that the Lord will just continue to draw you to himself and that that you will um, just, as Adonis mentioned, just press into, into Jesus and press into God and, and find your, um, just your life and your sustenance uh, in him. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to my friend Adonis's testimony. I know I was super grateful and I just want to say to Adonis, thank you uh, once again, um, so very much for being willing to join me on this episode. Um, I was so excited to have you and I just want to encourage you guys in the Lord and know that I'm praying for you and, um, just remember that, uh, God loves you wherever you are in your life and he will meet you wherever you are and whatever you may be facing, whether it's SSA or whether it's not. And so I just wish you guys a wonderful rest of your day and I will see you back for the next episode. Bye everybody.